This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the Arizona Cardinals site from the USA Today NFL Wire. Seth Cox, my co-host, is finally back. Not because, you know, he's. it's because we finally finished the preview series. But Seth Cox is back from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the Arizona Cardinals site from SB Nation, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Seth, welcome back. It's It feels like it's been forever, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a while, but, you know, now it's been a while since there's been any relevant Arizona Cardinals news. And now, well, there's news and we get ready for training camp so i mean there's a lot going on there's a lot to cover as we get back into it and we get ready for what is hopefully an engaging and entertaining and playoff filled uh 2021 nfl season for the arizona cardinals absolutely this is our training camp preview uh episode 317 if you haven't yet make sure to go back we had six uh, six p- opponent preview episodes over the last three weeks, talking to writers and, and reporters from the for, for the teams that the Cardinals play this coming season. They were fun. I enjoyed those interviews uh, quite a bit. But we're back to the regular format as we start training camp. We're recording on Tuesday night, the night after the Cardinals reported for camp. On Tuesday, they completed their conditioning tests and had their physical exams. The Cardinals made a couple of roster moves, minor roster moves. And Cliff Kingsbury spoke with the media for the first time in a while. And so we have what we normally will do during training camp preview. We're going to talk about some of the questions entering the Cardinals, uh, entering Cardinals camp that they have. We're going to talk about some of the roster battles and starting battles we're paying attention to. We'll talk about, in particular, the players on the Cardinals who need to have a good camp for one reason or another. And then we'll wrap things up talking about the worries we've got, the surprises we think there will be, and any potential disappointments. Let's kick things off with starting about the questions surrounding the Cardinals at training camp, which, number one, I think the first thing that Cardinals fans are thinking about is, what is Larry Fitzgerald going to do? Because thus far, it is... I don't know. I haven't decided. What are Seth? What are we to make of the situation with Fitz at this point? Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, it's incredibly interesting that we're in late July and there's no clarity. Um, you're going to have to help me. The the national reporter Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter. Uh, you know, kind of made it seem like that nobody really knows yet. And that, <laughs> that's honestly baffling. Um, I'm not going to say it's unbelievable, but it's it's hard to believe that he hasn't made a decision yet and he hasn't decided what he wants to do this season. Um, you know, that's kind of what we'll – sit back and, and watch and see is this a is this a situation where he is waiting out training camp because let's be honest I mean he doesn't really need training camp or is this a situation where he's not quite sure what he wants to do because I mean one of the things that I think is under discussed in this whole situation is the amount of effort that a guy like Fitz puts in. And when he's not sure that he wants to put in that effort anymore, this is what you're going to get because you're going to get this kind of hemming and hawing and, and trying to decide, you know, what is best for me? What should I be doing? Um, because if he does commit, 
we know what his work ethic is like, and we know how hard he's going to push it. Um, and I think that truly is why maybe he just hasn't decided yet because he's, I think, I think there is likely, and again, I, I'm speculating. We don't know anything here either. Uh, I, I'm speculating that I would wager that he, in his heart of hearts, wants to come back, but he truly doesn't know if he's going to want to put that effort in to be great. And that's all he knows how to do and knows how to work. And so that's where he's at right now. It's like, huh, do I really want to, to work this hard? Do I really want to continue to push myself or am I enjoying being a part owner of the Phoenix Suns and, and you know, enjoying my personal life. And, and I think, I just think those, those are all the questions he's trying to figure out. Oh, and, and for me, it's a number of reasons. I mean, uh, if you've been paying attention to what I have thought that the longer that this is dragged out, the more likely it was he was going to answer his retirement. Maybe he's just being stubborn about it. I don't know. And, and I kind of still feel that way. Um, although I, I, I think at this point he might be leaning more to wanting to play, which is why he hasn't said he's not going to. But there's a few things holding him back. And I think one thing that made it very easy for him to come back the last two or three years, and, and, and I don't want it like, Larry Fitzgerald plays for more than money, but there's something that money does motivate that man. He's a great businessman. He he wants he want like look to how what he's done with his contracts. When Michael Bidwell has been willing to pay him eleven to twelve million a year for the last few seasons, I think it made it very easy for him to come back because, well. No matter the, of all the things that he can do, that's a fair for the amount of. For the amount of time of that takes during during the year, there's not many things that'll pay you that much money. So if he's going to pay, he's going to be paid twelve million dollars, have a prominent role in the offense, and he still believes that he can perform at a high level. I think it was almost a no-brainer, especially if there's the the potential of the team competing. I think he saw some of his athletic mortality last year because it was his his lowest producing season in his entire career. He was injured in the finale. He missed time due to COVID. He got the he got the virus, and his production went down. And even in some ways, his usage, his playing time didn't dip, but his usage dipped as as DeAndre Hopkins emerged and and Chase Edmonds was used more, and and they tried to incorporate uh, Christian Kirk when they could. And so I think what it comes down to now is it comes down to three or four things. One, is he willing to come back to the Cardinals and put in the effort in a reduced role, which leads to reduced numbers at less money? And there might be the question, he might question whether or not he can perform at the same level and produce at the same level. And if he's going to be... You know, if he's going to put in the work that you know he's going to put in, is he going to be willing to do that to have a bit role? Because Jim Trotter said that the Cardinals like him for a lot of stuff that's off the field in the locker room, his leadership. But then it comes down to uh, crucial moments, clutch time. Uh, And Cliff Kingsbury said that they have a plan for if they'd adjust, that they have a plan for him and a plan without him. But personnel-wise, they definitely moved on from him. And so is he willing to come back and be a role player? Uh, even like even though he wasn't put under the big numbers last year, he wasn't a role player. He was an every-down guy pretty much. So is he going to want to do that at the reduced rate, the reduced cost, and a reduced role? Um and does he really believe that the Cardinals are a contending team? Because that's the other thing. He, if he doesn't think the Cardinals are truly contending for Super Bowl, I don't think there's a chance he comes back. And maybe maybe that's the thing that that we see is that he's waiting for an opportunity and we're, he's waiting to see how things play out. 
but you know in my heart of hearts i still think he's probably not coming back now he he his return is not the only question as we now have a couple of questions now everyone reported to camp so jordan hicks after his trade request in the offseason reported to camp chandler jones we find out did request a trade jeremy fowler from espn reported it um <laughs> actually it was on it was on a sunday morning um i was at i had to write the article on my phone in the middle of church because that's one of those things you don't let sit and and so that kind of set set things ablaze for a little bit the chandler jones is unhappy but he showed up at camp it appears that the cardinals gave him a hard no and it appears that he's okay with playing through that. Do you have any questions about what's going to happen with Chandler Jones this season? The question might be, oh, will they sign him an extension? Will he be happy playing this season? And are the will the situation cause problems on the team? What do you think about any of those? Uh, you know, I don't see any issues. I mean, I could see them, if they're truly out of it, come trade deadline time that they could trade, make a move and, and trade him, you know, kind of start to go more towards a youth movement. But I, I truly don't think that there was any way they were going to trade him. And quite frankly, I don't know how people feel about this, but the reality is I don't think that there would have been a huge market for him. Um, the financial aspect of it isn't the issue because I think anybody would be fine if Chandler Jones was to come in for a season. Um, I think the aspect that's the issue for every team, theirs and the Cardinals included, is that he wants to get paid and he wants an extension. So how do you fix that? How do you have a guy that's coming off? He, he wasn't playing extraordinarily well before he was injured. And then he's coming off a major injury. He's 31 years old. What team is going to not only want to give up something for him, but also then pay him. And for that matter, that's, there's a reason the Cardinals didn't pay him. And um, I just think that he's got to be under, uh, understanding of his situation right now. He can request a trade. He did request a trade. But the reality is that it doesn't benefit the Cardinals. And quite frankly, it's he's not going to be worth anything to another team at this moment yeah and here's the thing that about chandler and and some people are very upset about how kind here's the thing the cardinals and steve kime have no problem paying their stars their second contract but steve kime is very leery of paying them their third contract okay that's a big difference it's 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 the calais camel patrick peterson and it puts it puts and Chandler Jones now it's a tough thing for fans to see because these are players who have longevity with the team who've performed at a high level Steve Kime is on the record many times saying he'd rather let a guy go a year early than keep in a year too long and so he he's he's simply he's doing the cold hard math of the NFL that it is a young man's game and usually when you pay big money to guys on their third contract it usually bites in the butt we, we've been used to seeing Larry Fitzgerald but if honestly I think he's I can't I'll have to go back but I think he's been on a one-year deal for the like the last six maybe dating back to 2015 I was gonna say I think it's 15 or 16 and before that it was it was a two-year deal before that, and it wasn't for big money. So he was already 
you know, he he's cashed in quite a bit. But so he's looking for when he's when he's signing older players, he they're not going to be big long term deals. Even JJ Watt's a two year deal. And here's the thing with Chandler, he probably wants the if the Cardinals were to give it a sanction, I think they would extend him maybe through 2023. Because if you look at if you look at how their money is committed, like when it comes to their veterans, they've got DeAndre Hopkins, they've got Buda Baker through tw- through twenty, and everyone else. Well, they got Rodney Hudson for twenty twenty three, and basically everyone else is twenty twenty two, and that's because of Kyler Murray's contract. Kime is is gauging what's happening. He wants to see how the team performs before the balloon happens. And then once they have to pay Kyler, then they're going to have to build the roster differently. And so he probably wants um, longer. Uh, he probably wants another three or four years. And the Cardinals probably didn't want to extend him. Had it, given him an extra year, I think they would have been, they would have been fine with because that fits their window. I don't think they would have wanted to go past 2022. And as a result, we're probably looking at Probably the last year of Chandler Jones, which is sad. Any other questions that you see the Cardinals having entering camp? I think the Jordan Hicks situation is, is eh. I don't think it's a major question. Uh, what other big questions do you see the Cardinals having entering camp this year? I mean, they have a lot of questions, but as far as roster goes, I don't think there's anything... Um, They've made some interesting moves lately. I mean, we haven't even really discussed it. Lamont Gallard getting released out of nowhere. Um, seems like that was a... It felt like it was a non-football reason, but maybe... Yeah, either that or it was one of those where he, Gallard was like, hey, give me a shot to go make a roster somewhere. So it could have been a good faith move on the Cardinals end saying like, hey, you know, you're not going to make this roster. Let's go find you a place you can play. Um, I could see that, but you know, it's just been, it's been interesting. Um, it, you know, they haven't done a whole lot, obviously in the last couple months and they're getting ready for what they believe is a push to be a, a, a playoff team. And that is, I guess the biggest question you have is, do they have the mindset yeah, is, is the mindset right? And I feel like the leadership on either side is correct. Uh, you know, they've got J.J. Watt. They've got Kyler Murray. Um, but is everybody going to buy in? Yeah, I, I think this year's a little bit different. So they have big expectations and they have high aspirations. But this is different than 2016 because they were coming off a year where they were so close and they felt they were already there. This year's Cardinals are hungry because of their failures last year down the stretch. And so I think that the mindset is better. And I think in the face of adversity, they will do better because they had the failures to adversity last year. So that's that's going to be interesting. Now, obviously, the question is, <laughs> entering training camp is, Who's going to get hurt? Who's going to suffer that that major injury and isn't going to be one of their major players? Because, I mean, it's almost without fail, dating back to when I first started covering the team back in 2011, it seems every single camp or preseason, there is at least one major injury that a projected starter uh, ends up going down for the year. So, um not going to not going to put that too much out there but we know that injuries happen we hope it's not one of the major core but it's more secondarily type things so coming up next on the rise up sea red podcast the best star of cardinals talk on the web where it's talk about the battles the position battles roster battles and starting battles that that we're going to be watching that's coming up next on rise up sea red we're back on the rise up sea red podcast the best star of cardinals talk on the web one of the major things that we always pay attention to in, in training camp, and, and since there's going to be a preseason, we get to see some gameplay. And there are some starting jobs 
potentially up for grabs. Not many. And then there's some roles up for grabs. And then, of course, roster spots that there will be battles between certain players. Um, Seth, what is the top position or let, let's talk starting jobs What's the top starting job that you are looking to in terms of competition uh i think the starting job that's the biggest question mark or the best competition right now is going to be the right guard position i feel like that's the only true starter battle type of positional battle that we can see right now um, there are questions whether it's going to be, you know, a guy that was signed, Brian Winters, uh, a young guy in Josh Jones or, or Justin Murray. Um, they even mentioned Max Garcia, but I think the, the release of Gilliard might secure him as the backup center. That's just what I might be thinking because yeah, I, 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 I'm, I, that I'm would make the most sense that. in terms of how they have the roster made up. Because if they were going to rely on a seventh-round pick rookie in Michael Minette, you'd be like, what What are they doing? Right. And so, yeah, I think it's just one of those situations where you are expecting a lot of talented um players to you know put forth their their best effort we don't know who the the favorite is right now um we don't really know who the front runner is i think you and i are gonna guess that it's going to be uh brian winters to begin with that's our thought process but you know, we don't know for sure. And so um, we'll see how it kind of, how it kind of goes from, from there. But the right guard position, I think is the opening kind of salvo to the questions for this off season, because they've addressed so many positions, but how, you know, they they couldn't address all of them and so how would they fit all of these guys um and, and so like we said brian winters was their big move at, uh, along at, at the right guard position um while retaining kelvin beecham and bringing in rodney hudson so i'm wondering if they're thinking to themselves we don't need to over invest in all those positions because we really liked Beecham last year. Obviously they get the best center in the NFL and, and Rodney Hudson. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of questions, but I don't know if it is that big of an issue. Uh, I, I too think that it's going to end up being, I, I think winters is the most likely winters or Murray and, but I think secretly the organization would love to see Josh Jones emerge, you know, since he was their third year, third round pick a year ago. It, it would just be fantastic to see him emerge as that guy. That said, the Cardinals are not doing a lot of relying on youth except for at a couple positions at linebacker, obviously, and, and, and then Byron Murphy, but pretty much everyone else, they're like, we're going to, we're going to veteran duct tape this up. Um, there's one other starting job that I think is more or less up for grabs, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. It's the battle between Devon Kennard and Marcus Golden. Um, because if we are to expect J.J. Watt to spend time um, on the edge in nickel downs, that's going to diminish the playing time for both Kennard and Golden. So who will be the one to get those base reps. And I'm sure that Vance Joseph will come up with ways to incorporate them sometimes. But who's going to be the guy that's next to Watt uh, as he slides inside? Will that be Golden um, or will that be Kennard? Uh, Kennard started, was the starter. He's, I think, I honestly think he's the prototype. I think he's built for that position, especially in base. And Golden, once they traded for him, Devon Kennard basically lost his place in the rotation. So, but he's 
he's fully guaranteed his entire salary this year. Uh, so I want to see how that plays out. It, but that, that's the only really true starting job up for grabs because if you look at the cornerback position, you've got Byron Murphy, Malcolm Butler, Robert Alford. Um, all three of them will play. It's simply a matter of who is the second and who is the third guy. It sounds like Byron Murphy is there every down. And then it'll be between Alfred and Butler to who will be on the field and base, and then who will come in as a sub for the third cornerback. But all three of them will play, provided that they're healthy. Um, I also am intrigued. It's I don't know how much competition it's going to be. It depends on who you talk to. But running back is super intriguing. James Conner versus Chase Edmonds. Would you agree with the report that that seems like it came out? It wasn't like a major. It wasn't one of those cases where a national reporter comes out and said it. But it's people who know people whose sources can be inconsistent. And it says that while there's considered a competition, Edmonds is the favorite. It is expected to be given the opportunity first as kind of the the Kenyon Drake role. But do you think that the Cardinals will? I how competitive do you think it will be for playing time between Edmonds and Connor? Well, going back real quick to the defensive side, I just wanted to add, I'm interested to see how they deploy um, that front seven because I think you and I agree that we know four starters, Chandler Jones, um, J.J. Watt, Isaiah Simmons, and Zayvon Collins. The question we have is, who are the other three guys or is it two guys? And then they're bringing in, you know, another defensive back. Like how are they going to deploy those guys? Like if we just go through it, we know that we know six guys that are starting Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, um, Simmons, Collins, Watt and Jones, who are the other five guys on defense? That, that to me is an interesting question. Cause I feel like they really like Zach Allen. They are expecting more from, uh, Rashard Lawrence and Lecky Fotu, and they're hoping to get something out of Jordan Phillips, who was obviously their big splash last year. So there's a lot of questions, you know, and then as you mentioned, the Canard and Golden situation. So there's a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball, but I wouldn't call them necessarily positional battles as much as like unknowns. Whereas the running back positions, it feels like they're going to give it a battle, but I think, and I've talked about this quite a bit, I think their plan is to give Chase the reps, Chase to be the guy. And then, because he's never been healthy, they're expecting that James Conner will be able to basically fill the void if needed. I don't think it's going to be a committee thing. I think they're help- expecting and hoping that Edmonds is the guy and that if he struggles again to stay healthy when given those opportunities, he's going to end up, uh, we're going to see more Connor. I do think, though, that you will have, by getting a guy of his size, I do think they will deploy him in those short yardage situations at the goal line because they were so bad, they were so bad at it last year that they're going to kind of, make sure that they've covered their bases so they got a, a massive run blocker up the middle in Rodney, Rodney Hudson, and you add a very big, powerful back in Connor. Um, so, I mean, you know, fantasy players out there, I don't know what to make of Chase Edmonds' value because Connor, I think, will get the goal line reps. And between Connor and Kyler Murray, that, that Edmonds – you know, fantasy value in terms of touchdown production might be diminished slightly in that sense. I don't like to talk fantasy a lot, but that it, I know y'all like it. It's important to y'all. Yeah, it is what drives the the new popularity of the NFL. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but without fantasy football, there's not fringe fan bases and, or fringe fans, and there's not people that are and I don't mean this in a negative way, degenerates that <laughs> that are, you know, engulfed in games like Dolphins and, you know, like a, Dol- like a Dolphins-Texans game that 90% of the people don't care about 
all of a sudden it might have implications. That's what fantasy does, and that's why having information on guys like Chase Edmonds, on guys like Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore is kind of what's important, and you have to be able to uh, you know, identify and address those. And, and that kind of takes us to the next battle, quote-unquote, is – Andy Isabella's battle to make the roster. <laughs> yeah. is, I mean, they drafted what appears to be a better version of him and Rand- Rondell Moore. They, he's Rondell Moore appears to be what they've wanted Andy Isabella to become. Correct. And that's, you know, going to be the difficult spot and they've got to figure out what, you know, they're going to do with Isabella. I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously a second round pick and now you have a second, second round pick. Um, I'm not sure what they can do or how they can go about it. I, I just, I know that they'd like to keep Andy. Um, but I also know that you can want in one hand and you know what in the other. And that's typically what you get out of things is, you know, the other thing. And, and that's where they're at right now. And it's just, it's tough and it's been tough. And, you know, we'll see as long, I, I guess as long as Rondell Moore or whoever picks up the slack, it doesn't matter. It's true. And, and Moore is expected to be the primary return. I have one other position battle that I think is probably under the radar and that's a backup quarterback I think pretty much everyone when Colt McCoy was signed felt that he was the lock for the backup quarterback because of the experience he's got this and that and the struggles that Chris Strebel had Strebler had in the one time he was asked to come in and relief for Kyler Murray in the season finale that said they had a guy in Brett Hundley they felt exactly the same way about, and Strebler flat out beat him for the job. And and Hundley remained on the roster because financially it made no sense to cut him. Uh, of his, I think he was due to make uh, the league minimum about one point oh about a million bucks, and six hundred fifty thousand of that was fully guaranteed. So it didn't make any sense at all to cut him. Fast forward to this year, Colt McCoy's contract is not largely guaranteed. Uh, he's making the league minimum. He got a $137,000 signing bonus, but none of his salary is guaranteed. So that door for Strebler to win the backup job is definitely wide open. I'm interested what to see him in preseason action. And I, I'm, I'm already up. Like, people were upset that Hundley wasn't active for week game, you know, week 17. I said on this show that I don't think it would have. I don't think the results would have been any different um, going against that number one defense uh, with Hundley. Once they Murray went down, things were just in a bad place and would have mattered. That said, because of how they they value McCoy in terms of value in the locker room, I think it's that's a battle of who's going to be the backup. But will they keep three quarterbacks again? on a roster that he could definitely use elsewhere, especially if Strebler wins the backup job. Do they keep McCoy on the active roster? Do they try to put him on the practice squad? And he's the type of quarterback that will get picked up because of his value throughout the league. Um, there's that one as well. Any other any other positions or that you are see potential battles? And obviously there's always stuff at the back end of the roster, but anything prominent? I I am slightly intrigued if they're going to have a puncher battle. But other than that, not really. And the one thing I'll tell you, Andy Lee's contract makes it impossible for Newsom to beat him. <laughs> unless, and like I wrote about this, unless they have a kickoff specialist, which, my goodness, is terrible roster building because Matt Prater has not done kickoffs kick consist like he's not done kickoffs since 2013 he's kicked off a few times but he's got fewer kickoffs since 2013 than zane gonzalez kicked off last year andy lee isn't the guy you want kicking off either he's old too 
This was this wasn't even like a case of Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson could kick off fine, but when he was with the 49ers, with the punter that they had, when they had Bradley Pinion, it didn't make sense. Bradley Pinion had a cannon of a leg for kicking. The Cardinals don't have that. And then would is Newsom gonna be their kickoff specialist? That's awful roster building. Yeah, and and it's <laughs> it's been something that's they've struggled to do consistently, but yeah, I mean, I don't think with the contracts, as you said, that they're going to be able to, but that's why I do wonder if there could be a battle at hand, so to speak, because yeah, I just, they don't have a kickoff guy. (laughs) Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to talk about specific players. Who are the ones who really do need to have a good camp? Um, that's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. Back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. There are always players who, in particular, for whatever reason, they need to show up in camp to make this team. Um, if When I say that, the players who have to have a good camp, Who's the first player that comes to mind for you? Oh, this is tough. I, I'm going to say the first guy that comes to mind is going to be Isaiah Simmons. Um, they really need him to take that next step and be a guy that can play 100% of the snaps and do it at, you know, different places. I think that's what their goal has been with them. But so we'll see how that plays out. I think he really I think he really needs to have a great camp and be a guy that's kind of a leader on the defense. It it really I mean, it'll go a long way to see for the confidence of the fans, of the team, the coaches defensively. I can see that. Now Personally, when I think the players who need to have a good camp, the first people I think about are the guys who are in danger of making losing their spot on the roster. So there are two players that come to mind. One is Chris Strebler, because if Chris Strebler doesn't have a good camp, his value is completely diminished, and there's no way to make the team. He, like, he can make, make fielding the roster interesting. But honestly, the first guy I think of is a guy that Cardinals fans love to talk about because... He's from around here. He played at Arizona State. That's, you know, Benjamin, a guy that, that you know, for what we saw in college, believes that we've he's got the skill set to be a productive NFL back and didn't sniff. He didn't even get a dress his rookie year. So I, I, I feel like he's another player who critically needs to have a good camp to be able to make the roster this year because he was a seventh-round pick. There's no real investment in him. Uh, he's got to show some value on special teams or or something. So the first two players that come to mind that need to have a good good camp, and that's simply just for their spot on the roster, would be Eno and Chris Strebler. Anyone else come to mind for you? I I think AJ Green needs to have a good camp. Um, he's coming off, you know, a three year lull in his play. He's old. He's dealt with injuries they couldn't get on he and joe burrow who looks like a good quarterback could not get on the same page i last year i really do think that he needs to come out and have a good camp because you know we've talked about it they don't really have anything of experience or value across from hopkins if if green can't give them something a couple of players, this is more of health than anything. They need it for for their psyche, for the card, the psyche of the Cardinals and fans. Robert Alford, he's got to make it through camp. We've seen him have good camps and then just have those, those brutally crushing season-ending injuries. And so, I mean, we need to see him have a good camp to feel good about the cornerback position. And, and, and honestly... Jalen Thompson needs it. Uh, I I know how much Vance Joseph just loves Jalen Thompson. But after missing basically an entire year with a bad ankle, um, if he doesn't have a good camp or gets hurt again, it's going to put the Cardinals in a, in a rough spot at safety, at least for right now, and it's going to make it hard to count on him. 
Yeah, and I mean that's been one of the big things is the health of these these young guys that haven't really, you know, they've shown that they've got talent. Now they've got to figure out if if they can stay on the field and stay healthy because for every Buda Baker you've had, you've had, you know, Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, you've had, you know, issues with Christian Kirk. All of these guys are important performers that they need to show that they can stay healthy consistently to, you know, be able to reach the full potential of not just their talent, but the team. You know who else needs to have a good camp? Honestly, Steve Keim. <laughs> He's taken a lot of heat. He's taken a lot of heat right now for, for how things have played out. The decision to to make Zayvon Collins the start, basically mandate he's the starter while you've got a starter in the building, um, not extending Chandler Jones. Uh, a number of former Cardinals who do not look back at Kaim positively, Patrick Peterson most recently. And so I think he needs you need to find that move that's going to put him in good graces with, with some more, more of the fans. A lot of, there's some fans who are kind of fine with him. I'm not saying he has to go make that, that blockbuster deal to get Xavier Howard or, or Zach Ertz or whatever, because I don't think you know, trading for Zach Ertz does anything to significantly improve the team offensively. But a cornerback like Xavier Howard or Stephon Gilmore, I think that's a game changer. But And I think as, as much as you, you hate to say it, Kaim needs to have a good camp, eh, it wouldn't hurt if he could, if he could, you know, one of his quote-unquote patented Kaim time signs would come in clutch right about now, right? Yeah, and I mean, whether it's a signing or what he's – been best at and that's making a trade for a veteran talent i think they that's what they need um right now more than anything and so we'll see kind of how that works out and if they're able to find a way to get that done um i mean i know everybody really would like to see Xavier howard here i I don't know if that's (laughs) according to gerard powers the the dolphins offered Xavier for Chandler Jones straight up. I don't I, believe that necessarily. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not happening. But apparently, which is weird because if you could, but I know you'd have to pay Xavier more. Yada, blah, 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 blah. The Cardinals want that dynamic pass rush too of Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. They're willing to, they're going all in with that this year. They want to, they really want to impact pass rush like that. So then what, then what do you do? Because then you've got Golden and and Kennard and Watt sliding over. Then you have to wait till about midseason for, for Dennis Gardeck. And if you're going to trade Chandler Jones, why did you let Hassan Reddick go? Blah, blah, blah. Things like that. Anyone else that, that comes to mind who you feel needs to have a good camp? No, I feel like, you know, we've hit everybody. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys come out i mean obviously you want to see kyler have a good camp you want to see you know everybody have a good camp but from a need perspective i really think that you know guys that have been put in positions like isaiah simmons and aj green like those are guys that need good camps to really show that the cardinals are building or are built the right way for a 2021 run Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talking about, we will talk about our, we'll go move on to our last segment, which will talk about surprises, uh, worries, concerns, and so forth. That's going to next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. In this final section, we'll talk about worries, surprises, potential disappointments. Seth, what is the, what is your biggest worry for about the Cardinals entering training camp? I think the biggest thing when you look at it is you're worried about the offense and if they're <laughs> able to, you know, kind of put both portions together consistently. We've seen them have great 
a great rushing attack. We saw Kyler kind of carry the passing attack with DeAndre Hopkins last year. Can they meld it into a consistent um, threat, uh, you know, using both the run game and the passing game? And, and that stems to, you know, being worried about the personnel decisions that they've made. I mean, they they decided to forego drafting a running back and, and lean on Chase Edmonds and you know they signed James Connor but it, it, is Connor a, a great back I, I'm not sure um, you know they they went and signed a very old AJ Green uh, to play opposite of DeAndre Hopkins um, you know those are those are worries you have about them being able to establish a consistent offensive identity in, in year three of Cliff Kingsbury, who's, you know, let's be honest, the reason that he was hired here was to make the offense improve. We thought in year one that they were making those improvements and then year two, they kind of regressed at places. So this is year three, they've got to step forward. Uh, and that's, that's the first thing that I kind of look at and worry about. Obviously, one of my one of my first worries is that the duo of Collins and Simmons isn't quite ready for full. T- like, it's one thing to go with Collins and Simmons hundred percent of those snaps on a middling team or a team that's growing into com- competition on a team where they have it, it kind of feels like playoff or bust uh, expectations. That's a worry that I had. I love both those players and, and the potential they can have, but when you've built, they've built the rest of their entire roster kind of opposite that. And so the one worry is that will they make mistakes that cost them games? They're going to make mistakes. The question is, are they going to make game game deciding mistakes? Yeah, and, and that in you know young interior you know, off all linebackers, that's, that's a ballsy move. And I think that combined with the fact I, and I know they signed Malcolm Butler, but the fact that they've really made such little effort in the secondary or at the cornerback position the last three years, it feels like, I mean, they've drafted Byron Murphy and kind of just that that's been their move. And I like Murph, don't get me wrong, but it's not like he's, you know, Xavier Howard or, or Stephon Gilmore at this point. Like, so that the fact that that's been like your lone move, but you've taken Isaiah Simmons and Xavier Collins and, and paid Jordan Hicks and De- Devondre Campbell. I mean, it's just, again, the the worry continues to be how they're building the, the team and, and, and if it's going to work. And I think that's, those are fair worries to have because it, it's, they're very, it's very unconventional team building. I think another thing that, that the Cardinals fans most worry about, and I do to an extent is Cliff Kingsbury, really the, the guy that's going to take him to the next level. I've, I've defended Kingsbury a whole bunch because guess what thus far he has not underachieved now it was disappointing how the season end but there is really in terms of long-term expectations he is exactly where we would have anticipated the cardinals being in year three so year one they improved the offense went from horrifically historically bad to dangerous they took a step forward and then a step backward offensively. Their defense improved. So they went from a an up-and-coming team to a team that looked like they were in control, only they fell apart. But entering last season, no one felt like no reasonable person said the Cardinals should make the playoffs. It was that they could make the playoffs. And they were a team last, last year that ended up being a team who could make the playoffs. One Zane Gonzalez make you know, one, turning that, that New England miss into a make, they're in the postseason. So he's done what he's been hired to do. 
but it almost feels like sometimes that he's the reason that they haven't done more because we've seen some failings at the end of games with decisions that he's made. Um, is his offense holding Kyler back, even though he was supposedly tailor-made for this offense? The question is in year three, is he, does Cliff Kingsbury become the reason why they don't step forward or why that Kyler Murray isn't an, an otherworldly quarterback? Is is his scheme and his philosophy ultimately what holds them back? Is he the coach to take them to the next level? Yeah, and I think that's a fair question to ask. And, you know, you and I have, like you said, defended him. We both think he has talent and understanding as a play caller, but he hasn't shown that he can get them over the hump. And that's where it all comes from. That's where it really boils down to is can he take the next step as, as the coach, you know, he's, he's gotten them to this point and, Man, I was just thinking of a coach. I wish I could remember who I was the other day that you see guys that can get them so far, but then, you know, it takes another coach to kind of get them over the hump. Um, and and for, for Cliff and the Cardinals, it, you know, that's where they're at right now is – Obviously, any type of regression sans a Kyler Murray injury is is unacceptable. But if they go, you know, eight and nine or nine and eight and, and miss the playoffs again, you wonder if Cliff has gotten them as far as he's capable of. And and then that means they have to find somebody else to kind of nudge them or push them over that that plateau. And you know, get them into being a contending team. It's not uncommon to have to see that happen, um, but there is the other side of things where you know, would you rather be an eight or nine win team every year and competing and in playoff contention? Maybe you're not a Super Bowl contender, or do you want to go back to being, you know? the Cardinals (laughs) right and that's that's the thing especially this is a team I believe that its ceiling is a Super Bowl I believe that about every single team in the NFC West the way the rosters are constructed they have the talent to all be Super Bowl teams if things go the way they plan the Cardinals have honestly no holes on their roster on the field but they are betting on players who could get hurt because they have gotten hurt or they might have hit uh, the downside of their career. Like they, they, if they got them on the wrong end where they, instead of continuing to maintain a high level of production, are they washed? So the Cardinals, very and if Kyler Murray and if Byron Murphy are better this year, they, they are a team, I think, who could be like the Buffalo Bills last year. Like they, they could take that sort of leap. Or the San Francisco honestly, the San Francisco 49ers the year before, where they go from where they become a team that is really good. Um, but it kind of takes good fortune. Now, in terms of, you know, the concerns that we have, our worries, who are some players that you could see surprising in a good way, being surprisingly good and eye-catching in this preseason slash training camp? You know, I think Rondell Moore is really going to shock people. Um, He's a different animal, man. Like, he is a different dude than than really anybody we've seen in a long time. I know it's not an apt comparison from a, a, a athleticism standpoint, but He's a dog in the, the mold of Anquan Bolden, where you talk about a guy that run, you know, will play with his hair on fire, a guy that runs through a brick wall. Um, that's been an issue for him, you know, 
holding up physically. But yeah, this his, dude, the trainers will have to put the brakes on him so he doesn't overtrain. But this dude is a, I mean, he really is a different type of cat, man. Like it just, it's, it's, I'm su- He's the guy I'm most excited about this, this camp, because I think he's got a really good chance to set a tone and he and he and Kyler can really change the way that, that teams have to defend the Arizona Cardinals. They kind of view him it's it's a terribly unfair comparison. They view him Tyreek Hill like. And that's unfair to him, but his sort of impact that he could have is exactly no, that. I, I, and I think that's a big thing that you and I should caveat. We both think that he has that ability. It doesn't mean he is going to reach it. But he could have that sort of impact. But he, he, yeah, he has that type of game-changing ability that you just, it's so, it's so special. For me, one of the players, and it, it's a pair of players on the defensive line from a year ago who were rookies, and, you know, health being there, I'm excited to see what, what Rashard Lawrence and Lecky Fotu. I'll, I'll say, I mean, I was I was pounding the table for Lecky Fotu before the draft. I thought he was a great fit and potential. And um, I would I want to see what he can do. And I don't think he'll – I don't – I think either with both team both of them will simply be rotational players. But – I want to see them consistently being in the mix there on plays near the line of scrimmage. And I'm, I'm excited. And I think those are players who could, who could stand out because I mean, they were super impressed with, with Lawrence. They were, even though they, they got lucky, I think they were even more excited about Lawrence. Yeah. And, and, I think both those guys are going to surprise if they can stay healthy. That's been, you know, a key um, for everybody. I, th- I got another guy that I think can really surprise heading into or heading out of camp and is going to kind of show what he has is I I really like – what we're hearing about Murph this year, Byron Murphy and same the fact that they see him and you brought it up earlier. They see him as the guy at corner and they're going to, I mean, they're going to still use him primarily in the slot. Correct. But, but they, they think they think he can play outside on boundary. He's going to be cornerback one on the depth chart and then you know if they have if they have three corners they're hoping that he's the guy that is on in the slot it's not a for sure thing but that's what they're hoping and and it's the the part that makes sense as well um if we look at this is the side this is like if they're of all the players on the roster who do you think are the most likely to to disappoint in camp. That's tough to say. Um, You know, I think when you look at this team overall, um, the, I think I really do worry about AJ green. I've said that same, same. I mean, he's, I think his ceiling is fantastic. Correct. But he hasn't been near that ceiling in three years. Yeah. That's what worries me more than anything. Um, for me, the mild worry, Matt Prater. Um, his yeah, career's been fantastic, but his his numbers weren't great last year. I know his clutch his, his throughout his career, big kicks, fantastic. I mean, he, he beat the Cardinals on the last second last year, but 
he is at the point in his career where you could be where you could be gambling on the wrong kicker at the wrong point of his career. Yeah, and I I agree with that. Um, you know, I look at I look at just their decisions at cornerback in general, um, outside of Murphy. I I like Malcolm Butler, but he wasn't great last year and he's a year older. And Robert Alford has played as many snaps as you and I combined in his time at the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals. That's just those are that's just a positional group that could disappoint. It could. Um, I'm not super worried about it because their defense was adequate last year, and they got <laughs> passable. Like Drake Kirkpatrick wasn't good. No. Patrick Peterson definitely wasn't good last year and their pass defense held up and so i think i think part of that is is their trust in in vance joseph and his scheme that that their pass defense was ad- actually pretty adequate overall but you are right that is a that is one of the and it's not a hole but they might have a couple of red flags um i if you look at other players around uh, around the roster, the players who could disappoint. Um, Edmonds could be that guy, not because I think he'll play poorly, but kind of the Andre Ellington situation where he was given the the shot and he just was dinged up. And and I don't I, and it's unfair to in some ways, but Edmonds was banged up his last year of college. He was a workhorse at Fordham, and he was banged up his last year of college. Uh, when he got, like, he got banged up after his big, you know, after his big, you know, usage. But he, it, it's different because it was a different thing each time. Well, well, Andre Ellington always had a thing going on with his hamstrings and 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 things like that, soft tissue. These are these are different issues ankle like those are different things but if there is someone who could potentially disappoint i think it it potentially is Edmonds as well because of the expectations that he has it it, in kind of the same mold as as Kenyon drake last year because people were expecting and and we kind of thought hey drake could have you know 1300 yards with the way he was playing at the end of last year uh, at the end of 2019 and then last year he was just fine and if that's all Chase Edmonds is, it's going to feel like a disappointment. Yeah, and, and that's what it is, though, is that they put themselves in a position like we talked about where they've not been able to address positions, and those are not surprisingly positions that we have all the questions about. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, the other player that you worry about is Jordan Phillips um, after what he after his lack of impact last year because of injury combined with the one massively good year in his career that didn't match anything he'd ever done before. He is also a disappointment potential. J.J. Watt, you know you're going to get impact. You just might not get the big numbers. But Jordan Phillips... He was a flash but in the also, pan. You're also going to get effort, and that right. was something that we felt like at times, you know, we we missed at times. So that's those are those are my potential disappointments in drink cap. Anyone else that comes to mind? No, I think that's really it. Uh, which is, you know, a lot of question marks. <laughs> Well, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, our training camp preview. Um, we will we'll probably have a show next week because we'll have our, our first full week. If some pads on in practice, we can do our first takeaways um, and hopefully some more storylines that come out of camp in the, within the next week. So on behalf of the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Rue. We'll be back again next week. Go Cardinals, and thanks for listening as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, 
or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.